My name is Jason. I'm one of the pastors on staff here at the church, and we're just so excited you're with us, especially if you're visiting or you're a guest or checking it out, or maybe a family member bribed you to come or something. We support that. We're all right with that. Just, uh, just really glad that you're here. You'll find all that information in the Connect card that they talked about in the, in the announcements. Just really excited you're here. We're starting a brand new series today called Jesus Is. Jesus Is. And what we're wanting to do is we're wanting to find out who Jesus is, right? We figured that would be an appropriate name. Who is Jesus? And what are some things about Jesus that we need to know? What are some things about Jesus that maybe we've forgotten? What are some things about Jesus that we think that are not accurate? Um, and so I don't know if you know this or not, but we are five weeks away from Easter Sunday. Five weeks away from Easter Sunday. And, um, and so we thought what we would do is take the next four or five weeks and just talk about Jesus because on Easter is when we're going to celebrate Jesus like we've never celebrated him before. And so you're five weeks away from Easter. You may want to go ahead and be thinking about neighbors, family members, friends that you could invite to church. Because listen, I know you want to invite them all year long, but maybe you're scared. Maybe you're embarrassed. Maybe you're not sure. But all the stats would tell you, all the experiences would tell you that people are looking for a place to go to church on Easter. They're looking for a place to go. And they're probably already going to have some kind of plan or maybe decided not to go or whatever, like if you wait till a couple days before. Go ahead now, you know, bake them something that smells good, take it to their front door, invite them to church, let them go ahead and get some time to plan, or maybe put in a text, put in a phone call. And we want, we're having three services on Easter this year. We're having a Saturday night at 6 o'clock, Saturday night service at 6 o'clock, uh, and then our normal service times on Sunday morning, 10 and 11.30, all identical, all the same service, Saturday night at 6, Sunday morning, 10 and 11.30, and we're going to have a great time. So this, this series is going to kind of lead us right into Easter, and we're just really, um, really excited about that. So here's why this series is so important to, to me and to us. Here's, here's why we think this is so important. Because what you believe about who Jesus is determines how you know him. That's deep right there. Let me just say that again. Right? You've got to let that sink in. All right. What you believe about who Jesus is determines how you know him. What you believe about who Jesus is determines how you know him. And a lot of people have a lot of different opinions about who Jesus is. And this is nothing new. I mean, this has been around since Jesus, right? I mean, Jesus even asked the question to his disciples, who do people say that I am? What are people saying about me? Who do people, you know, who do, what, what do people think? What are people's opinions about me? And, and th this, this question still is a legitimate question today. And some people think that Jesus is a prophet. Some people think that Jesus was a, a philosopher. Uh, I almost said philosophizer. Sorry, too many movies. Here we go. Uh, some people think that Jesus... Uh, is just a really good teacher. Like, hey, I don't totally buy into the whole Christianity thing, but man, he had some good teaching, and I like some of that. Um, some people view Jesus as a friend. Some people view Jesus as an enemy. Some people view Jesus as a boss. I got to clock in. I got to clock out. I can't break the rules. If I obey, he'll pay me. Some people think Jesus is a joke. You may know some of them. Some people think Jesus is an option. He's nice. He's an accessory. I like Jesus. I add him to the plate of, of the other things that I have going on in my life. And so what we want to do is just take a few weeks to talk about some things Jesus is and some things that Jesus is not. And that's really important. In two weeks, we're going to be talking about that. And so today I want to talk about this statement that Jesus is better. Jesus 
is better. Can everybody say that with me this morning? Come on, say that with me. Jesus is better. All right, say it one more time like you mean it. Come on. Jesus is better. Jesus is better. And I wanted to start with this week one of the series because I believe that the biggest battle that you face and the biggest battle that I face, no one is excluded, is thinking that Jesus is a good option or that Jesus is a good accessory to our life, but we don't believe that Jesus is better than anything else that we could ever have. We think that Jesus is a great option, a great accessory. He may even be number one in the list of several other things that are competing for number one. He, he, he may be even important in our lives, but he is an accessory to our lives, and we don't totally 100% or we're not sure if we believe that Jesus is better than anything else that we could ever have. Now listen, I'm old school and you guys hear my old school stories in here a lot. And if you didn't grow up in church, you just think it's absolutely bizarre. Matter of fact, there is a video floating around Facebook right now. I don't know how it got out there, but it's out there. And Corey Burkhead would love to show it to you because he's never laughed so hard in his life. But there's a video out there of me at 14 years old um, in one of those uh, altar bar fights, like I was talking about sometimes. And, uh, but we used to sing this old song. Uh, it was old when I was singing it. It's even older now. But it, 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 the song was, I'd rather have Jesus than anything. I, the song was called, I'd rather have Jesus. But it listed all these things. And, and I just remember my mom used to love that song. We would sing that song all the time. I'd rather have Jesus. I'd rather have Jesus. And so this first week, I want us to talk about that. Is Jesus better than anything else that we could ever have? I was, um, I was 15 years old, 14 and a half, maybe. You know, no, you know, I was just talking about that video. So I was just about to turn 15. I was 14 years old. And I was in a youth group at our church. And we, it was a large youth group, you know, several hundred kids. And I'm, I'm a preacher's kid, which means I know how to fake it. I know how to play the game. And I get in lots of trouble uh, and figure out a way to weasel myself out of trouble. And and so I was not serving Jesus. I'm sure I had prayed the sinner's prayer. I'm sure I'd been baptized 80 or 100 times. I'm not sure. Uh, but I was not following Jesus. I was not passionate about it. I was not, he was not, I had no desire to follow Jesus. And um, my youth group was taking a trip to uh, uh, Florida to a church called Brownsville Assembly of God. And some of you may have heard of that church before, but at the time there was a couple year run where there was a thing called the Brownsville Revival. The Brownsville Revival. And the Brownsville Revival, uh, really what it was, was it was this church that had this um, kind of supernatural thing going on in it uh, that they were having church three, four nights a week and hundreds of thousands and millions of people. Now, that's no exaggeration. We're coming from all over the world to come to this church in Florida. And what was happening there was just unbelievable. Thousands, hundreds of thousands of people giving their hearts to Jesus, people being healed. It was, it was a really an amazing thing. And so all of us Christian people had heard about what was going on. So we were just like loading up by the busfuls. I mean, we like Shoney's stock like shot through the roof because there was a Shoney's right by the church. And so all the church people were eating there all the time. And and, and so we just had to see. But my youth group decided to go down there. Here I am, 14, about to turn 15 years old. And all I knew was I did not want to follow Jesus. Now, that's messed up, y'all. But I'm just being honest with you. I knew if I went down to Brownsville, I was probably going to have to get saved. 
and I didn't want to go. That's, I mean, that's jacked up right there when you know that you're probably going to have to get saved and you don't want to. I mean, that's, some of y'all know what I'm talking about. And I'm like, man, I don't want to go to Brownsville and, and uh, I, don't want to, I don't want to give my heart to Jesus. I'm having fun right now. Life was good right now. And so I told my mom and dad, I don't want to go. I'm going to go with my buddy Paul up to Knoxville. And there was a little trouble we could get into in Knoxville. We knew that. So I said, I'm not going. My parents were like, okay, that's fine. So my brother and everybody, they load up, and they go down to Brownsville and, and just, you know, I mean, terrorize the Shonies down there. And, and I go to Knoxville with my friend, and God had different plans for me. And, and I've told some of this story. I've never told all of it. I need to tell it all of it sometimes. But long story short, I go to Brownsville, kind of like Jonah, which we're going to be talking about Jonah in a couple of weeks. But everybody's going to Brownsville. I go to Knoxville, like getting away, and God messes me up in Knoxville, y'all. I mean... I'm talking about, I might as well have been swallowed by a whale. Like, I go to Knoxville to get away from, from Jesus. And I get up there, and God is just like, it's time for you to give your life to me. And so I'm in this little small church of about 40 people in Knoxville. And I go up to the front, man, and I just, I mean, I give my life to Jesus. And, and that was the turning point in my life where Jesus radically radically changed my life. And so everybody in the youth group gets back from Brownsville, and they're like, you'll never believe what happened. You know? And they're like, we're praying for Jason, man. We want Jason to really give his heart to Jesus. I'm like, y'all, y'all, I did that in Knoxville. You know, like, it was all, yeah. And, um, but, but here's the reason I tell you that story, because I knew when they told me that the youth group was going to Brownsville, listen, I knew that there was going to be a really good chance that there was going to come a point in that service or in that trip where it was going to be like, I probably was going to cry a little bit. I was going to be convicted. And I was going to have to decide, do I really want to give my life to Jesus? Do I really want to follow Jesus? And I knew in my heart I didn't. I didn't in that moment as a 14-year-old, about to be 15-year-old kid, I did not believe that following Jesus was better than what I could do at 14 and 15 years old, Right? I thought, you know what, Jesus is great, that's nice, I don't even think it's like all that bad, but I can either have Jesus or I can have this. And at that time in my life, I did not believe that Jesus was better than what was over here available to me. And that's not just some story that's true with me. We see it all throughout the Bible. We see the rich young ruler. He walks up to Jesus and says, hey, I want to follow you. And Jesus says, okay, sell everything you have. And the Bible says he walks away sad because the rich young ruler didn't believe. Jesus, following Jesus, was better than having all his stuff. Ananias and Sapphira in Acts uh, chapter 11 or 12, I think it is. I can't remember, but in Acts, uh, they sell a piece of land, and, and they lie about how much it costs, and they say they're giving everything to God, and, and they actually fall dead in the church in a bizarre turn of events. But they did not believe that, that giving everything to Jesus was better than holding on to property. Lot's wife, when, when Lot's family is leaving Sodom and Gomorrah, at, at the angel says, don't turn around. And she turned around and turned into a pillar of salt that Lot, Lot's wife didn't totally believe that following God's ways and God's, uh, obeying God's commands was better than what she was leaving. It's, it's been that way from the beginning of time. Adam and Eve are standing in the garden, and the, and, and the snake says, you need to eat that apple. And Jesus says, listen, as long as you don't eat that apple, I'm going to come down here and spend time with you. We're going to walk together. We're going to talk together. We're going to be the closest of friends. You will enjoy everything about life. Jesus says, all you can't, all you can't have is that apple. And the snake shows up and says, man, eat that apple. Come on. And in that moment, Adam and Eve didn't truly believe that walking and knowing Jesus was better than that apple. 
It's been that way from the beginning. There's something inside of all of us that wonders if Jesus really is better than what we have to give up to really know him. Something inside of all of us. We don't really believe. We don't really know. Is Jesus better than what I would have to give up in order to know him? So I want to read you a couple of verses of Scripture. And in the absolute most popular spot in the Bible, right? Absolute most popular spot. John 3.16. John 3.16. Even people that don't believe in Jesus hold up John 3.16 signs at football games. I mean, John 3.16 is the most popular place in the Bible. And we're going to read John 3.16. Everybody knows that one. Then we're going to read John 17. Everybody almost knows that one. And then we're going to go 18, 19, 20, 21. And everybody's going to be like, what? I didn't even know that was in the Bible. All right? So let's go John 3. John chapter 3, 16. And I'm reading from the New Living Translation just because I'm on an NLT kick right now. So it'll be up on the screen for you. This is what it says. It says, for this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. We know that. God sent his son into the world not to judge the world but to save the world through him. We probably know that. 18. There is no judgment against anyone who believes in him, but anyone who does not believe in him has already been judged for not believing in God's one and only son. Sounds really harsh, but we'll get to it in a second. 19. And the judgment is based on this fact. God's light came into the world, but people loved the darkness more than the light. That's what we were just talking about, right? For their actions were evil. And, and 20, all who do evil hate the light and refuse to go near it for fear their sins will be exposed. 21, but those who do, do what is right come to the light so others can see that they are doing what God wants. Now, a lot of scripture there, and some of it in the middle starts getting pretty heavy, and some of it starts sounding pretty, pretty harsh, talking about how that anyone who doesn't believe in God is already being judged, uh, and it kind of walks us through that. They're intense, but really it's pretty simple. Like the breakdown of these verses are pretty simple, and it was what the examples I was just giving you, right? John 3.16 tells us that God uh, wanted a way to be able to... to, to connect and have a relationship with man that got messed up with Adam. And so he said, I'm going to send my son. God so loved the world. He sent his son. He said, okay, I'm going to send Jesus, and he's going to die on the cross. And he's not coming to condemn the world. He's not coming to show up and say, every, every one of y'all, y'all stink, man. Y'all keep screwing up. Y'all keep messing up. Y'all, y'all, y'all just keep messing everything up in the plan here. God says, John says, Jesus didn't come to condemn the world. He came to save them and say, I know you screwed up. I know you messed up. But that's why I'm here. And so he, he died on the cross and provided a way. And then it says, there's no judgment. That people who believe in Jesus Christ, who say, yes, I believe in Jesus on the cross. I believe that he came and died. I believe that Jesus is the only way for me to know God. And I want to commit my life to that. I want to give my life to that. Be a Jesus follower. The Bible says in verse 18, there's no judgment for anybody. That if you believe in Jesus, that when the time comes, that, that you're not going to stand before a judge and he's going to say, you're guilty because you're not guilty anymore. That Jesus provided a way, this is the gospel, that Jesus provided a way for you to not be judged and to not be guilty for what you really did do. That he provided a way out, a pardon, if you will. And this is where it gets a little heavy. 
It says, but anyone who does not believe in him has already been judged for not believing. God's one and only son. And the judgment is based on this fact. Here's what I want to talk about today. The light came into the world, but people loved the darkness more than the light, for their actions were evil. And all who do evil hate the light and refuse to go near it for sins, for fear their sins will be exposed. So here's the summary. God provided a way to know us through Jesus. But people, for all of time, have enjoyed and believed that being able to do the things that keep us from really knowing God are better than actually knowing God. For all of time. God provided a way for us to know him through Jesus. But for all of time, humanity, you and me, civilization have enjoyed and believed that being able to do the things that keep us from really knowing God are better than actually knowing God. Isn't that what it says right there? It says in 19, but people loved the darkness more than light. So we see words like evil and stuff, and we think of like Hitler, and we think of, you know, all the, like, truly evil. But this verse is not talking about evil like evil dictator. It's talking about people who know that Jesus is an option, who know that following Jesus is available to them, but they love the darkness, not witchcraft, not satanic worship, just the darkness, those dark places in our lives, those, those places that we don't want to bring into the light, those places that we don't want to give to God and truly commit our lives. We want to keep those things in the dark because, according to John 3, 19... Inside of every single one of us, all of humanity, all of civilization, there is this devil on our shoulder that says, the darkness is better than Jesus. The darkness is better than Jesus. And you say, well, Jason, I mean, that was true for me, but I gave my heart to Jesus. I don't battle that anymore. That's baloney. Because you love Jesus with all your heart and you follow Jesus, but there comes a time, there comes a point in your life where you come to that place again, constantly being refined, constantly being pushed and convicted and nudged, Okay, do, am I still all in? Am I still fully committed to Jesus? Or are there things in this life, or as the Bible would say it in Bible language, are the things of this world, right, are they attaching themselves to us and we believe that they are better than Jesus? And the reason we know that we think they're better is because when we have to decide, we are not able to either give them up, leave them, or choose Jesus over them. So, I think this passage, very simple, I think this passage tells us two things. I just want to give you those two things this morning. It doesn't get any easier than this. But I think John 3, 16 through 21 tells us two things. Number one, the first thing it tells us is that Jesus is better than what you are enjoying and are afraid to give up. Jesus is better than what you are enjoying and are afraid to give up. Now, this could be sins. This could be major sins in your life, addictions in your life, uh, uh, hidden secret bombs that if they go off would change your life forever. It could be those things. And I would say for some of us in the room, it is those things. But it's also not just those things. It could also be normal life stuff, right? Normal life stuff that takes a higher priority in our life than knowing Jesus, like success. Come on, guys. It's not just a guy thing, but I've been taught and, and, and I've read in many places. I think Rick Warren's the one who uh, phrased this, uh, gave us this statement. But he said, men almost always fall for one of three reasons. Girls, glory, or gold. 
girls, glory, or gold. That's usually what takes a man down right there, right? And that's so true. And there's that glory aspect for us, guys. It's just success. Success, right? What about greed? There's that gold element, right? Right? This idea that, like, I love Jesus, but come on, my real security is found in how much money I have in the bank. I love Jesus, but my real satisfaction comes from what nice things I can buy, right? What nice things I can buy. Sex, what about relationships? It's like, I love Jesus, but this may be my, ba- my last chance or my best chance to have somebody, and I don't want to be alone the rest of my life, so I'm going to choose this, even though I know it's not better, even though I know Jesus is better, and this is not what Jesus wants for me, and this is not what he has for my life, I'm going to choose this because being in a relationship is more important to me, and I think being uh, in a relationship is better than having Jesus and having no relationship. So it could be, you know, secret, big sin stuff, but it's also probably more than any of that. It's probably normal life stuff. It just takes a higher priority than than, than knowing Jesus. And there comes a point in all of our lives. Come on, please hear this. There comes a point in all of our lives, and it's not just one point. There's a point in all of our lives that comes over and over and over again in different seasons and in different levels There comes a point where Jesus has something better for us, and he begins to knock on our heart, and he begins to whisper in our ear, and he begins to push us and nudge us. Like, you know, it's it's those seasons in life where it feels like your clothes don't fit anymore, like God's trying to take you somewhere, you know, but your clothes aren't fitting anymore, your your friends aren't fitting anymore, you know, those types of like, I just feel out of place, I feel, and, and I feel like God's got something better for me, Right? But in order to get it, or in order to get there, in order to receive it, we have to grow, or we have to mature, or we have to obey. And the process repeats over and over and over again. So God shows up. Let's just be very practical here. God shows up and says, I want something better for your marriage. I have a better place for your marriage. I have a better place for you in your marriage. And he keeps knocking on and so he says... Jason, man of the house, in order for you to have that better place for your marriage, here's what I want you to do. Here's what I want you to obey. Here's what I want you to give up. Here's what I want you to initiate. And I know it. I feel it. I hear it. And in six weeks, we're starting a series after Easter. Where we're actually going to talk about what is, how to hear from God when it comes to those types of things. So we'll, we'll dive into that. But, but I know it. I may not be able to explain it, but I know that God is, is knocking on my heart, pushing me. I know it. And I have to decide in that moment... Am I going to obey God? Am I going to follow what he's saying for me to do and mature? Because that's what maturity is. Maturity is doing what you don't want to do, right? And and so we mature, we grow. And if we obey, we receive and and, and kind of have what God has that's better for us. If we don't, then we just cycle and loop back around. And there comes another point where God says, hey, I want something better for your marriage. And we get another choice. And I love what John 3, 17 says, that Jesus didn't come to condemn the world. So it's not like you disobey and you don't do it, and God's like, I knew you'd stink. I knew you'd blow it. I knew you wouldn't do it. No, he believes in us. He's optimistic about us. He says, okay, you didn't do it. I'm going to give you another chance. A couple weeks, a couple months, a couple days. But here's what else is crazy, is that you obey and you mature, and then three months later or three years later, God knocks on your heart again, and there's something even better. And he says, okay, you thought that you just give this up. Now we're going here. And obeying Jesus and following Jesus is just this constant uh, evaluation in your mind and your heart. Is Jesus better? Is what Jesus has for me better? Is where God taking me better 
then what it is that he's asking me to give up, obey, follow, initiate, all that good stuff, right? And so there is this idea that we battle, there's this fear in our hearts, and depending on how you were raised, you, you probably had this more than others, but there's this idea that if we're really going to give our lives to Jesus, then it's, we're going to have to settle for never having fun. We're going to have to settle for not being able to enjoy life. We're never going to be able to go out with our friends, do anything fun. It's like, oh, we've got to follow Jesus. Somehow that following Jesus is not really living, but that's wrong. It's wrong. It's, it's like, the only way I know to explain it is it's like telling my friends with no kids that staying home with your kids and playing Uno really is funner than going out. They can't even comprehend it. I mean, they don't even, What? You go to bed at 9.30? I'm like, yes, it is amazing. <laughs> Come on, Mom and Dad. Come on. I mean, Corey, man, he'll text me at like 9.15. Like, you want to go see a movie? I'm like, sure, next week. He's like, no, tonight. I'm like, tonight? But my kids have been in bed an hour. And, and, and they're on the outside looking in, and you're like, no, no, it, canasta and pizza really is better. It really is better. So somebody on the outside looking in, the Bible says that the, the, that the ways, this is kind of a fancy way of saying it, but the Bible says that the ways of the Spirit, aren't, man is not able to understand in our own thinking. In other words, it's like, how could you want to have kids and like change poopy diapers and never go out? And that's what it's like following Jesus, that it's like, no, it really is better. And really everything that you're doing outside of Jesus, you need to get this right here, anything you're doing outside of Jesus is really just you searching for an identity. So you're working hard because you want to be identified as successful and hardworking. You're in a relationship because you want to be identified as someone who's not alone. Like you're just searching for identity, but when we follow Jesus and accept Jesus, we have our identity. And we're his. He, he calls us. So I, I found this on Facebook uh, um, three days ago. Uh, just to, I'll keep it anonymous. He doesn't live here anymore, but he used to live here. And just a kind of a crazy thing that God did. Connecting us, I played a very small part, very small part, but then some people at another place played a huge part. And, I, and I, a guy posted this up on Facebook, and I just grabbed it, and, I, and I, I wanted to read it to you. But this is what he said in his Facebook post. He said, another year gone by, this past one has been the most significant of my life. It went from the worst to the best. I'm an alcoholic, and although I quit drinking a while ago, I still had the mindset of one, selfish and a giant ego. This can be cured. I'm proof. I met a couple of people that changed all that. The most important was God. You can't do it alone, but you can do it. First, you have to really want it. And when I read this, I, I just got this huge grin on my face because I know this guy, and I know what he was going through, and I know what he was feeling, and we talked about it together. And he finally got to a place where he said, you know what? Jesus is better. What Jesus has for me is better. Where Jesus wants me to be is better than all of these things for the last 15, 20 years of my life that I could never let go of. I finally want it. I finally want it. I don't have time to read it to you, but Philippians 3, 7, 9, 3, 7 through 9 is where Paul talks about all these things I used to think were valuable. I now count as lost. They're rubbish. So listen, Jesus is better than what you're afraid to give up. He's better. And it may not seem like it at the time, but when you look over there, when you, when, when, you, when you finally get over the fear and you say, you know what, I'm going to embrace what Jesus has for me, you look back and you laugh how silly it was that you thought you needed to hold on to something. So Jesus is better than what you're enjoying or what you're afraid to give up. And then the second thing is just this. And this is huge. We talk about this all the time around here. Jesus is better than the consequences you might face for bringing things into the light. Wow, this is so big, right? 
Jesus is better than the consequences you might face or may face, I don't know grammatically correct there, for bringing things into the light. Isn't that what it says in John 3.16 or John 3.19? The God's light came into the world. It was available, but people love the darkness more than the light for their actions were evil. And 20, look at this. All who do evil hate the light and refuse to go near it for fear their sins will be exposed. Isn't that the biggest hindrance that we have from really taking all that Jesus has for us? It's like if we got a clean star to get out of jail free card, we'd probably take it. But what we can't get over is this fear of what will happen when we bring our darkness into the light. And listen, it could be serious, big sin, addiction things. that you, maybe It may be confessing adultery and it may be confessing... Um, um, stealing money from work. It may be confessing drug addiction. It could be that, and it may be that, and it probably is that for some people. And I say, hey, that's amazing. Let's go for it. But just because it's darkness and light doesn't mean it has to be this huge, you know, bomb that's about to blow up. Sometimes bringing darkness into light is just saying to people that you trust and that you love, listen, I'm afraid, I'm afraid of being alone. And you think, well, they'll judge me. They'll, they'll, they'll think I'm silly. they but sometimes that's bringing darkness into light. I'm afraid of being alone. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I, I, I'm afraid of, of not making it in life. I'm afraid of being a failure, right? I mean, sometimes it's just getting over feeling foolish if you, if you say something, right? And the very fact that you are afraid to bring something into the light verifies that you need to bring it into the light. You need to hear that again. The very fact that you're afraid to bring something into the light verifies that you need to bring it into the light. Because you want to keep it in the darkness. You want to keep it in a corner. You want to keep it away from everybody else. And there's this devil on your shoulder saying, don't say anything. Don't worry about it. You'll be okay. Don't admit it. Don't, you know, you're the only one who feels this way. You're the only one who struggles, whatever it is. And Jesus says, no, that's just that nasty, evil part of your heart that doesn't know if Jesus is really better. Is Jesus really better? So let me ask you this question. We're going to wrap up by asking, asking this question. And this is something that was asked to me a year and a half ago that has stuck with me so strong, that I, and I hope it lands with you like it landed with me. So let me ask this question. We're talking about bringing darkness into light, being honest about where we are, the struggles we face. Is Jesus really better? If it all fell apart tomorrow, like your relationship with God, your life, your, your kind of what you have built, hopefully Jesus in the middle of that. If it all fell apart tomorrow, like you fell away from God, you walked away from God, you, you, your family disowned you or was ashamed of you or whatever it is. And let's just say you happen to be an important person that people cared about what happened in your life, right? What would the headline in the paper be? Like if it all fell apart tomorrow, and you walked away, you fell away, the bomb blew up. What would the headline in the paper be to explain what happened, right? In other words, what is the one landmine that could blow up? So I hope that makes sense to everybody. So would the headline say... Um, pastor embezzles money from church. Would the headline say, Jason cheats on his wife? 
would the headline uh, say, uh, Jason uh, in road rage shoots a man? What is that? What is that ticking time bomb in my life that I don't really know if Jesus is better than that, and I'm afraid to give it up, I'm afraid to bring it into the light, I'm afraid to really deal with it, and so I'm going to keep it in the darkness, but if it ever blew up, oh boy, oh boy, what is it? What would the headline in the paper be? What would it say? Because I believe we all have it. I believe we all have it. What I want you to know today is that Jesus is better. Jesus is better than that thing that you're hiding or afraid to bring up or that thing you won't talk about or that thing that you are enjoying so much right now. Some of us are enjoying it and we don't think Jesus is better. Some of us are miserable, but we don't think Jesus is better than the consequences of talking about it or bringing it up. Jesus is better. And so what we're going to do today is I'm, I'm going to ask the ushers to help me, and I think Donnie's going to grab some guys and help. And I'm, I want to hand out a, a card to everyone today, and everyone in the room is going to give, get one. And I didn't bring one up here with me, but pretty much what it says is it says, God, help me believe that you are better than, and you're, I want you, and you don't have to do it right now. Maybe you're beside or around someone that you don't want them to see it. Go ahead, guys. You can go ahead and start passing them out. I want you to write that down. Fill in that blank. What is it in your life that you're afraid or you're not sure or you need to be re-upping to say, you know what, Jesus is better than success. Jesus is better than the fear of being alone. Jesus is better than my addiction to pornography. Jesus is better than my friends that I'm afraid to, dis, you know, be, uh, to not attach myself to. Jesus is better than... And I want you to write in that statement. And then I want you to take that card, and and they're coming to you. They may already be to you there. I'm not sure. But then I want you to take that card, and I want you to put it somewhere. Maybe put it in the dash of your car right there where you can see it. or Maybe stick it on the refrigerator. or Maybe before you stick it on the refrigerator, you and your spouse or your family sits around the kitchen table and says, Hey, what did you write down this morning? You tell me yours, I'll tell you. I'll tell you mine. What'd you write down? And maybe that starts a conversation. Maybe that gets the ball rolling. Maybe that brings darkness into light. But here's the question that haunts me. That constantly has to be reminded. You know, because I do this for a living. I'm a pastor. So, you know, I've either got to believe it or I got to fake it, one or the other. And I don't want to ever fake it. But here's what the question that haunts me. Do I believe Jesus is better or is he only a way to escape hell? Do I believe that Jesus is actually better than anything else I could ever attain or is he just a way to escape hell? Because if he's just a way to escape hell, then I'm not really following Jesus. And it may work. Like, you may have fire insurance, and it works, but you don't know Jesus. And when you go on a search to really find out, do I really believe that Jesus is better? You'll find Jesus 
calling you and raising the bar and challenging you. And every time you obey and every time you say yes, you'll find God is sweeter and sweeter and better and better. And it, 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 it only gets better. Because Jesus is better. The Bible says, what would, it, what, would it, uh, what would it profit a man to gain the whole world but yet lose his soul? And if I could just paraphrase that, like, what good would it be for you to get everything you've ever wanted but not have Jesus? He's better. He's better. So does everybody have their cards? Does everybody have those? Maybe you don't want to do it this morning. Maybe you do. Maybe you want to take it home with you. But I want everybody to take a few minutes at some point today And I want you to answer the question or fill in the blank on that card. God, will you help me to believe that you really are better than blank? You really are better. Let's pray. God, I pray that you would... God, that you would put the most amount of courage in someone's heart that you've ever put in their heart in this moment right now. That you would give them the courage to to really be honest with themselves, to really wrestle with themselves. And figure out if you really are better. Do they really believe you're better? God, I pray for all of the people in the room, ladies, God, but and men, who, who don't know if you're better than self-image, who don't know if you're better than self-worth. God, I pray for all the men and women, not just men, who, who, who think that maybe you're not better than success or wealth or security through things. God, I pray for every person in the room this morning who thinks who's not sure if you really are better than addictions and secret sins and things in the darkness, God, that need to be brought into the light. God, would you give them the courage to be honest with themselves and and, and where they are today? And decide, like, God, are you really better? Because, God, we know the answer is yes, but we just need you to help us get there to help our unbelief, God. So, God, I just pray for every person in the room that that would be the case today, that they could give that over to you give that over to you, really put their lives in your hands, really trust you. Nobody's looking around, every head is bowed, eyes are closed. Maybe you're here today and you would say, Jason, you've been talking about Jesus being better and all this stuff, and here's just the flat out honest truth. I I don't follow Jesus. I don't know Jesus. I mean, I may have, you know, got baptized at camp when I was a kid or something, but the, the truth is, man, I don't know Jesus. Or maybe, I, maybe I've never met Jesus. Maybe I've never prayed a sinner's prayer. Maybe I've never given my life to him. I did or I didn't, I don't know. But I, as you've been talking this morning, as you've been speaking, I've just felt so strongly like it's time. Today's the day. Now is the time to really commit my life to Jesus Christ. Nobody's looking around and we're not going to embarrass you. We're not going to ask you to stand up or anything like that. We promise. But if you're here today and you would say, Jason, I want to give my life to Jesus Christ. I'm ready to do that. Would you just lift your hand up and make eye contact with me? And say, man, I want to give my life to Jesus Christ. I want to follow him, live for him. I don't want to live for myself. I don't want to keep hiding in the dark. I don't want to keep doing my thing when Jesus has something better for me. Just anybody. A few more seconds. I'm going to drag it out. I want to give my life to Jesus Christ. Let me ask for one more group of people in here this morning. If you would say, Jason, I know Jesus. I'm a Christian. 
I'm trying my best, but man, if I'm being honest with you, I feel like I'm, I'm slipping and, and, and I'm in sinking sand and I feel like that this world is kind of attaching itself to me and I've got things and I don't know if I'm, like Jesus is not necessarily number one in my life. Nobody's looking around. We're not gonna embarrass you or anything like that. I just wanna pray for you this morning. If that's you, would you just lift your hand? You'd say, Jason, pray for me. Yeah, I see it. You can put it down. Anybody else? You'd say, man, I just, I want, I just want, an, I want Jesus to be the Lord of my life. Anybody else? Yeah. God, I just pray right now for every person who lifted their hand, every person who's struggling this morning with, with all that. God, I just pray in Jesus' name that you would give them the strength and the courage to make you Lord of their life, Savior of their life, God. Not an accessory, not a part, not a piece, God, but they would give their whole life to you and follow you with all of their hearts. We thank you, God, and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.